Good morning. <laughs> A special thank you to Rabbi Yitzchak and another anonymous sponsor for generously sponsoring today's Sheer and Breakfast. This is in honor of a Rafua Shalema, a complete recovery Bukharov for Hadassah Bracha Bas Rivka Shulamis. Baruch Hashem, with the advancements of technology, we have so many convenient ways of eating. <laughs> Don't have to leave your house to go shopping. We have shipped, we have other uh, services. Don't have to leave your house to pick up food. We have Uber Eats and DoorDash and, DoorDash and many other options. No, <laughs> not yet. Uh, the question is, what I'd like to do is spend probably two different discussions on this topic. One is focusing on the question of having a, a non-Jewish driver deliver kosher food, what potential problems uh, do we have in that case, and what are some of the solutions? What's l'chadchila from the, con, the, uh, the standpoint of kashrus? What kind of policies do you want to implement? And then if something doesn't work out the way it should, if it's delivered in, uh, in a subpar way, when do we say, Bidi Evid, you could still eat it? And when do we say, you can't really trust that it's kosher and therefore you have to send it back? Well, we're going to discuss that as well. And then uh, part two, hopefully next week, we'll get involved with, these are really discussions within Kuf Yud Ches of Yordea. We'll get involved with Kuf Yud Ches Sif Yud, which is not about someone delivering food to, you, to your place, but leaving people at your home who are not trustworthy in kashras, and that could come up often regarding a babysitter, cleaning help, um, and those types of situations. When do we have to be concerned that things were made trafe, and when can we assume that everything is still kosher? That'll be next week's discussion, Bisiyata Deshmaya. It could be three weeks from now, that might be already vacation time, but the third conversation would be, can you work for Uber Eats? Is that a job for a nice Jewish boy or girl? Can I be delivering tray food to non-Jews, and can I be delivering tray food potentially to Jews living in Boca? So that might be discussion number three. We'll get there. <laughs> I'll tell you whether or not to attend that one. <laughs> All right, but regarding Uber Eats, now there's a, a famous concept of Basar Shinnis Alim Minayan. Who here has heard of that idea before? Don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. When and where practically does the concern of Basar Shinnis Alim Minayan apply? This is a Simon and Yoridea Samach Gimel. According to Ashkenazim, when does this apply practically? And the answer is never. Never. 
You're never going to find a case where something is going to be usher based on basar shinis alim ayin. That's a concern um, of having food that was left out in an open area, unsealed, where potentially rodents or other animals could get to it, maybe switch things around. That's a chashash that, according to the Ramah, we're not concerned for. So Basashin Salamanayan is, is often applied to a different concern, which is not Samach Gimel of Yeridea, but that's Kufyud Ches, where we're not dealing with animals, we're dealing with human beings. People who don't have the same Kashra standards and therefore potentially maybe there is a Khalifin. Somebody switched the kosher with non kosher. That's a concern we find in Kufyud Ches. So the famous story that comes to mind regarding potentially having someone switch your food is the famous airplane story, right? If you haven't heard of the airplane story, you're not fully inculcated within the, uh, the realm of from Yiddishkeit. What's the airplane story? I don't know if it's true, but I, I think it is. There was a young yeshiva bachar flying back from yeshiva, visiting home, and he had a sandwich with him, a deli sandwich. He didn't have a chance to, uh, to eat yet because he still had to daven. So by the time he was unwrapping that sandwich ready for lunch, he was famished. He goes to wash his hands, um, leaving the sandwich uncovered and revealed. Now, before he does this, he's having nice conversations with the non-Jew sitting next to him about theology and religion. Uh, the non-Jew is expressing interest uh, in exploring more about Judaism. He gets up to wash his hands, he comes back, and right before he makes the bracha of Hamotzi, he's thinking to himself, Oyvezmir, I left my sandwich and my turkey, pastrami, whatever it was inside of there, uncovered right here on the tray. There's no simon, there's no chosen, there's no indication that it's mine. I'm not sure I could eat this. So he goes back and forth, deliberates in his head. He comes out that it should be a problem. He says halmotzi, takes a little bite of bread, takes the sandwich and throws it on the floor and steps on it. Not really. But he doesn't eat the sandwich. So as the story goes, Nanju sitting next to him is uh, curious. So he asks, why are you not eating your sandwich? So surprisingly, he actually explains. <laughs> that to me is the most unbelievable part of the story, right? There's a din. Uh. So he explains the halacha, that if you leave your, your food or your meat uncovered, there's a concern that it could be switched. It's not really common, but halacha is halacha, so that's why I'm not eating it. And the, uh, the passenger next to him says, I have never been more impressed your religion, your God, it is genius, it is brilliant. Why? Because when you went up to go do whatever you were doing, I was curious. I always wanted to know. Everyone speaks about, you know, Jewish uh, pastrami sandwiches. I wanted to taste it. I had my own little thing here with me, my own sandwich. So I took yours and I, and I substituted mine. And I assumed you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't mind. Dave, so nice having you back. You just bring it. You bring an excitement. 
and energy. <laughs> so basically he said he admitted that he switched the food and therefore he was even more impressed with Judaism than he was before. Okay, beautiful story. And now the Misa, that guy is Reb Avi Gortz. <laughs> Somebody got again. Sorry, I'm <laughs> So, Lemaise, it's an amazing story of Hashkacha Pratis. Question is from a halachic standpoint, if, if you were that young man coming back to your food, what would the halacha be? Is the halacha don't eat the sandwich because maybe the guy sitting next to me traded his uh, pastrami for my pastrami? Or would the halacha be. Even though it's out on the tray, you're allowed to eat it. Right? Did he do the right thing, Alpi Halacha? Interesting question to explore. So I want to get into that particular airplane case. I want to discuss the issue of Uber Eats when they bring a, a pizza or food from a chill and grill where it's not at all sealed, there's no chosem. Or in the case of a work setting, you have a cafeteria, a dining area that everyone shares, you have a refrigerator, that we all put our things in. And I have my lunch inside there. My lunch is a Caesar salad with chicken on it. I come back, it's not at all, there's no simmon, there's no uh, tape or anything. It's been many hours. Potentially you have 10, 20, 30 people coming in and out of the kitchen. Do I have to be concerned that maybe someone switched my chicken for theirs? All these situations we'll be addressing. Let's take a look here at the beginning of Kuf Yud Ches. The Mechaber tells us... Can I ask a different situation? Sure. Sure. Is there also a non-kosher option? Yeah. Microwave and toaster oven as well? Yeah. Okay, great question, right? In, in, a, in a work setting, you have religious Jews and you have non-Jews. Good morning. Hinda and Hinda's sister, Shifra. Welcome. You're Hannah. Shifra was the other one. Forgive me. Okay, yes. Listen, I, I get the same question when it comes to yeshiva guys. Right? Yeshiva guys are wonderful people. Some of my best friends are yeshiva guys. <laughs> but, you know, you're not always licking in all of the halachos. And you have a, a milchik refrigerator, a milchik uh, toaster or microwave, and you have a fleshik one. Can you assume the milchik is actually milchik and vice versa? Okay, so we'll get to all these questions, Amir Tashem. So says the Shulchan Aruch, Yainu Basar v'chatichas dog, she'ein bo simen, she'hifkid o sholach b'yad oved kochavim. If you have wine or meat or a piece of fish that doesn't have any sign on it, there's no kosher symbol, there's no indication that it came from, uh, or that it was untampered, she'hifkid o sholach b'yad oved kochavim, that was either left as a pikadon, for a non-Jew to watch, or it was given to him to bring, to send to another Jew. Because if it's a question here of a deraisa, when it comes to meat, fish, 
or wine that may have been used for Vodazara. These are all questions of a Torah Isser. So then it requires two different chosamos, two different uh, seals. Of a yayin mavushol, v'sheicher, a yayin she'irvu bodevar mecherim. The Mechaber goes on to say, any situation where the concern would only be rabbinic, there it would be sufficient with one chosav, not two. Okay. Now the Ramah at the end of this first sif, he has an interesting distinction here. Some are of the opinion only need two chosamos when it comes to a Jew who's chosid, who you can't trust in this area. But if it's not a Jew that's chosid, but it's a non-Jew, then one chosim would be sufficient. Right, so don't rely on this l'chadchila, that even with a ovid kochavim, you should require two different signs or, uh, or seals. But bidiyavid, if there's only one, and the person taking your food or was in charge of it was a non-Jew, then it's okay. This superficially sounds very counterintuitive. Why is it you would need two chosamos for a Yisrael choshid, but only one chosim for an ovid kochavim? So I know what you're about to say. Yisrael, what are you about to say? That's what I was going to assume you were going to say, uh, right? No. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> that maybe there's more of a more of a respect. Listen, you do your thing, and I'm I'm not going to tamper with it. This is your kosher food. In contrast to a Yisrael, chashid, maybe there's baggage, maybe there's you know uh, just hard feelings towards the religion, and maybe they're not trusted as much regarding the food. That's not actually where this is coming from, though. That may not have been the case, and it's probably not what he's referring to. You're always so progressive, trying to help out everybody. <clears throat> There's a technical reason here, the truth is. This is not too deep. The technical reason is, is part of the, the mindset, if you climb into the psychology of the shliach, of the one taking your food, do they assume they're trusted with it? So if you're an Ovid Kochavim and you're holding on to the food or you're being the delivery guy, you know that, that you don't know all the religious uh, dietary laws. You're not trusted with it and therefore there's less of a chance you're going to tamper with it because they're going to suspect you. If you're Yisrael Choshed, so granted I, I may not be so careful in this area of, of religion, but listen, we're all Yisraelim, so you trust me and you're not going to be Choshed me. Something along those lines. Okay. But right off the bat, what would you say about the case? What would you say about the case where you leave your sandwich or your salad or anything else? Is it, is it that he's chashed in this area because we know he's done that before? Or is it just that he just... So we'll assume that he's, he's chashed in this area. That we know that he's done things like this before means? Is that or there's good reason to assume that he's not careful with kashras. We're going to get more involved with this when we dabble in Kofiya Tess. What's that? The second seal. 
Why do you need an extra one for anybody, you mean? No, for a Jew, it's what they only want for a guy. No, so the idea is because there's more of a concern, they might try to tamper with it, because they think that you trust them. So because they have your reliance, so they might feel more comfortable switching things around. Two seals is just more protection. Two seals, right. So what's the difference between one chosim and two chosamos? It doesn't sound like if there's two chosamos, then there's no way of breaking in, right? It's another layer of protection. It requires another step. And therefore, psychologically, it's, it's a barrier. So it could be either or. Practically speaking, there's a whole discussion here we're not going to get into as to what qualifies as a valid chosen. Bizman what most kashrus organizations do is they have special tape. You just tape it up, and even though you might not tape it twice, but it's viewed as a, as a simen muvuk, that if it's tampered with, it would be pretty clear. There's no way to take it off and put it back on neatly. So that works as a chosem, and that works for two chosamos, even for shaylas of deraisa, even if the person delivering it was a Yisrael chashur. In the case is how it's cut, there are cases of maybe Hebrew letters. That's how it's done, Bismanazah, and that's assumed by all the poskim as a real valid way of protecting the food that has the same status as, as two chosamos. Now, practically speaking, when you're buying something at a store, at, a, at Publix, and it has a hechsher, has an OU, it has an OK, a CRC. So, is that a valid chosen? On one hand, you could argue any anyone anyone could print that on their box or on their package. It doesn't require. Oh, why not? Regulation. So let's jump over here. Listen, so sometimes you have mistakes. But, so Rabbi Hecht, how do you ever buy any kosher food that has a hechsher on it? That's a great question. <laughs> That's why we make everything ourselves. Let's just jump here. Take a look at... Uh, Take a look at page three for a moment. So this is actually, this is a beautiful sefer. This is a sefer, Psakim the Chuvos. Who's the author of the Psakim and Chuvos? So when I was in high school, I actually, I wrote this. <laughs> now this is actually, this is the son of the Piske Chuvos. Piske Chuvos is a, a sefer in Orachayim. I had a very thorough mafteach of sorts where he quotes hundreds of different sources on many different halachos. So his son picked up where his father left off and he wrote a very similar sefer on Yeridea, on, on some, uh, some simonim in Yeridea. So take a look at page three. If it has the sign of a known person or a known organization. Because there, it's a very reasonable chazaka um, 
that any non-Jew or non-Jewish company, or even a Jewish company, they're not going to forge to be Mizayev, someone else's hechsher. Kevan shehu davar ha'osui li'isbarer, because this is not something that you can get away with. Right? It, it will become known that you had no rights to, to put the OU sign there or the CRC, and you're going to get in lots of trouble. Kenira alzeh somchem bekenias motzre mazun sagurim and this is what it looks like where we rely on when you buy a closed package with the hechsher. Even though it's possible to forge it, just to print an OU, Furthermore, he says, just based on the the legal regulations, if you were to do something like that, that's against the law, and you get in big trouble. So that's why, generally speaking, although we do find mistakes once in a while, but you're allowed to rely on a hechsher on a package. Why are we not afraid that the contents of the package was changed? Maybe the, the, oh. the OU is rightfully there, but the contents was changed. Right. Let me give you an example. Let me, g- let me give you an example. Okay, you walk into a store with a Mediterranean feel. The store itself doesn't have a hashgacha, but they sell many kosher items and many halal items and other things. And they have pickles. They have like different um, big barrels of pickles. And on the barrel, it has part of a package that the pickles came from taped onto the barrel. Right? Maishi's pickles with a big OU. Can you feel comfortable taking pickles out of that barrel and purchasing them? The answer is, I, I never understood that whole thing, right? You're gonna, it's, it's gross. You put your hand, the thing, there were the olives out there, right? It's a problem growing up in America, spoiled people. But, but you can't trust that it's kosher. Because the fact that, that they're placing an OU on their own barrel, you don't know where these pickles came from. Meaning so, to say that whenever you have a hechsher on a package and the package is closed, so we don't assume there is any tampering, and we don't assume that the hechsher was, was forged, then of course you could buy it. So going to a ballpark, to, to a ballpark or things like that, where people will go and they'll say, well, what are the hot pretzels, and they'll show you the package, and this is the only thing we put in here, so then you should not rely on that either? Because they tell you it's only the OU comes from a big box. I'm talking about a place that doesn't. Let's do this. Reb Chaim, can you do me a favor? Can, can we hold off on this question? Because this question is going to bring us to Ices and the Slurpees, right? And it's going to open up a whole Pandora's box. So maybe for a different discussion, we'll get into that. It's going to, it's going to then venture into the, the ice cream at Costco. It's going to get so... <laughs> this could be number four, yeah. <laughs> Most things are packaged in a way that's tamper-proof. Right. And you can see if it was tamper-proof. Right. But actually pickles, if you bought Williams Brewer pickles or Plum's pickles, they just come in a container with a regular, they don't even have a piece of plastic around them. Right? I thought cucumbers are kosher. You need an extra for a vegetable or a fruit. Well, it's the pickling process. I'm saying when you open it for the first time, there's yeah. nothing that happens? No seals. No seals. It's a Hamish brand. <laughs> <laughs> just open it up. 
Some of them do. Some of them do. The bigger containers sometimes have a crack seal. The small ones come in that level of 16, you know, 2 pounds. Don't they come with the ink? They're vacuum sealed. That's why they're, they're vacuum sealed. They're, they're not. So when you milk. open it, the, no, the, the, the cover to drink milk holds up. Right. Because they actually... When, when it's, I never noticed that. Even the milk. Yes, and I will. Next time you see They hung up the CEO of the milk company because they uh, killed like 30,000 babies putting in some Wow, wow. I mean, listen, the, the truth is that Heter of Ramosha, that Heter of Ramosha, which, which we didn't discuss yet, that'll be our Chal of Yisrael discussion, but where he says that you're allowed to rely on FDA regulations, that's only in America. Meaning, meaning that it's not only China or Indonesia, but any place in Europe, you also can't rely on it. Even Canada, Canada's not a Tiddish answer. I remember you talked once about, like, if you got three pieces, I don't know, it's basis. I have to stop you right now. We're not even close to that case. <laughs> not even close. That gets the robe and bitl, not for now. That's Kuf Yudal of the So Halach Lemaisa, you work in a setting where you have 20, 30 people coming in and out of the, the, uh, the kitchen area. You have a sandwich or a salad or something else that was uncovered. There was no chose, there was no seal. You have no idea if somebody tampered with it or not. It's been there for hours. Can you eat it for lunch, or should you be concerned that it's a violation of Kofiyad Chayseth Aleph? What would you pass it? You be the posik in that case. I'm hoping that you're allowed to. The case is that we, we share a, a kitchen area with many people who are not from or not Jewish and you left your sandwich or salad or anything else totally un, uncovered. So theoretically, it could have been switched or it could have been tampered with. And do you have to be concerned? Is there, is there not a, a hazard of the way you left it in the container? So let's say like I had the chicken pieces sprinkled on the top. Like I, so there, there could be, there could be. That's something called TVSI, and we're going to get to momentarily. Where you could recognize, if, if you could recognize exactly what it was before and what it is now, then we'll learn there's no concern. But it could be the same thing as the delivery of when you started this thing. I'm saying, but even with that, you require one Choseim at least. We're talking about a case there's no Choseim. Right, but how about in this case, your, your wife packed you the lunch, so you didn't get a chance to see it beforehand, right? No, can't eat it. <laughs> Listen, that airplane case was, was a trauma. I used to work with Gunny, I remember I would never bring flashic stuff. I mean, I don't know if I did the right thing, but I would try to leave some similar package, not to buy a dot or something like that. So let me show you an interesting diuk that many of the posts can make within the machaber. The two cases that we're talking about here, where you have to have some level of chosem, is shehifkir o shalach biyar ovid kochavim. Which basically means you're, you're, you're placing it into the, the shlita, the control of a non-Jew. They're watching it for you, or they're driving it to someone else's house. Or let's say you have a cleaning lady or, um, or a babysitter. They're the only ones there in the house. But let's say you're in a, in, in a setting where you have different people. If theoretically I was the person that wanted your sandwich... What would I do? I would eat your sandwich. <laughs> right? <laughs> Meaning, there's no concern that if I'm one of 30 people, you have no idea who I am, I'm not going to play a whole game of quickly running to, uh, 
to Popeyes and, and getting something trafe to replace it with your kosher thing. Right, so he switched it. No, we're going to get back to the airplane. Don't worry, don't worry. But in the case of, 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 a, of a public kitchen, the postgame spell out, there's not really a concern because if somebody wanted your thing, they would just eat your thing. The only issue we have in Kuf Yud Ches of, of, of Khalifa, of somebody switching it out, is when I know if my sandwich is gone, that's because you ate it. And therefore, there's a motivation to switch it with something non-kosher. There's a klal gobble regarding all of these halachos, which the Ramah tells us here in the bottom of page one. He says, Miyudafka im hudavar shiyesh lochush shehechlifo venene bechalipin. Halachically speaking, we're not concerned, a Jew or a non-Jew, we're not concerned that someone's going to take away your kosher food and put in non-kosher food just to shtoch you, just to get you. Right? They're going to be sitting there after they made the switch you know, smiling and laughing as you're now consuming treif. That we're not concerned for. We are concerned. We're not concerned for that. But the double We're not concerned that someone's trying to mess you up. Don't be so neurotic. <laughs> we're not concerned for that. Halacha lemaisa. We're concerned only in a case where somebody might be gaining from the switch. What? No, no. I'm concerned he's going to switch it. With, with non-kosher food. But I'm only concerned that's going to happen if he has something to gain from it. Let, let, let's say, for example, I'll give you an example, right? Lard meat, yes. <laughs> lard meat is actually a delicacy. It's a, so that's true. Now, again, and, and we, we mentioned this, but now, now we'll say it explicitly. If there's Tevi'asayim, where I saw what the thing was before, and I'm looking at it now, and I recognize this is the same chicken I had before, there's no question, right? These halachos are working within the realm of reason. I'm not concerned that you're going to find the exact same type of Chinese chicken that I'm going to mistake it for my own if I saw it before. So the only time we would have a shayla is in the Uber Eats situation, I never saw it before, or in, which also means I was never at that particular place before, so I can't recognize the exact type of food. Or when your wife packs you lunch, I didn't get a chance to see what it looked like before, then we have this shayla. The chiddush, though, is, is that if it's a situation where, let's say somebody leaves food by your door, right? a person's in quarantine, and uh, someone of a generous spirit drops off a nice big thing of chicken and potatoes by your door, and they let you know that it's there, you're not home for another five hours. In the meantime, there was no choseim, there was no indication that it came from the, uh, the Rubensteins. It's just right there. Do you have to be concerned for somebody switching it? The answer is no, because no one was given control of that food. If you had someone drive by and say, one second, what is that nine by 13 aluminum pan in that guy's door? That might be chicken and potatoes. What would they do? They would take it home with them, right? They wouldn't switch it. So th- this is the Yasod Goda, which is very helpful in many, many cases. This concern is only when someone's placed in charge of your food to the extent where if my sandwich or my salad or my chicken was missing, I would know it's you. And therefore, there's a benefit of switching. But, but one more step here. One more step. One more step. 
and we're only concerned for them switching in a situation where they'd be gaining from it. I just want to clarify what that means. I so we're going we're gonna to get to Uber Eats and the airplane case, right? But I want to understand the Etzim Halacha. Forget the guy in the airplane. These are the Usodos first, right? Don't worry. Let's say um, I'm in charge of, of your food, right? I'm, I'm a non-Jewish uh, server in a place where they have kosher food and non-kosher food, theoretically. And I have a steak here. Now, your steak is prime rib, right? Nice cut, you know, marbleized. Marbleized is a nice way of saying there's lots of fat in it. And, uh, and I want your piece more than my piece. My piece is like a lower grade. So then you could say, if yours is more meshubach, then there's a concern that I might switch it because I'm gaining from the deal. Right? That's a classic case where if there's hana, if there's a benefit, then we have this chashash uh, of Sif Aleph. So let's get back to some of these other cases here for a moment. Classic situation of Uber Eats. So what am I afraid of, right? He delivers chill and grill to my house. And I see there's no chosem, there's no sticker, there's nothing. So what's the concern? That maybe he switched the food. Would he be doing that to, to get me that we're not concerned for? Maybe he delivers more than one meal, so he gives you the other guy's meal. Oh, so if theoretically the case was, he's delivering a few different meals, some kosher, some non-kosher, and there, there is a concern, maybe you could argue, he got hungry along the way. Or he pulled out the wrong bag, meaning, or he would roll that right away. No, you, 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 probably, you, probably, you probably recognize that. The crab comes out. Or the, uh... Or take it, even take this case, right? If he's doing a couple of stops, and you're one of his many stops, and you're ordering pizza and french fries. Okay, now generally, let's say french fries... There's no tevias ayin. And in, unless a place has a very unique type of french fry, a french fry is a french fry. So maybe he stopped off at John's Pizza, got my pie of pizza and french fries, and then he made a few other stops along the way, and he's hungry. So he eats my french fries. He just has a couple to begin with. And there are actually real stats of Uber drivers, Uber Eats drivers, <laughs> eating the food they're delivering. Now, how did they get these, you know, like, how do you, eating, eating the food, right? But this is a true thing that's out there. How accurate is it? I'm not sure. But, but you first take a fry or two because you're hungry. And then after a few, you realize these are actually pretty good. And then you eat a lot of them. And then you're thinking to yourself, I can't give the guy fries with only like five left. So then you, you stop up quickly at McDonald's and get some more fries. So I'm delivering you... Pizza and fries. That to me sounds like a pretty reason. Is it going to happen if I was a betting man? The answer is no. However, the question is, does this fit into the guidelines of the Gezerah of Kuf Yud Ches? The answer is yes. If there's a real concern that there was some Khalifan that took place, switching kosher for non-kosher, in a situation where he may be gaining from it, so then it would be usher to eat it. One potential Eitza is if you call the restaurant and ask them, you know, did the Uber Eats guy come and pick up the food? And they said, yes, he was just here a few minutes ago. 
So then, it's no longer a reasonable chashash to say that he ate my fries and he stopped at McDonald's along the way. It's been 10 minutes. Right? So there are ways of working around the system. But they have an hour to get to. So if, if, if that's the case, the and there's no simon whatsoever, and it's something follow, like yeah. French fries. So, right. um, the app actually tells you physically he has left the restaurant. Like they no, tell no, you can watch on the map. Question. At, at this point, it doesn't matter what type of food it is anymore. We're talking about before Basar and Saying the, the only distinction that we had before was that you need one or two chosamos. But the cases we're addressing here is where there's no chosin. Right? There's no sign whatsoever. Rabbi Hach, did you hear Lisa's question? Why not? <laughs> I used to teach high school, you know? It's a... <laughs> It was, it was a very insightful question. <laughs> okay, so, so what's coming out is like this. There are definitely cases where Uber Eats l- delivers something without a chosem, where we do have to be concerned and we cannot eat it. The, 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 the few cases where you can eat it would be if you recognize the food. Right? In the case where I was there before and I know this looks like the exact same chicken we always get. Or in a case where you could call up and determine, or through the app, you could figure out that it was pretty much from that kosher store to my home, and it's unlikely there was any stop along the way. Then you don't have to be concerned. So this applies to French fries also? No, so again, this was Elisa's question. No, so this applies to anything, the rice or the abundant. The only distinction here is do you need two or one? But our case is there's none. Right? Now, ideally, if every single kosher consumer would send the food back to the restaurant when there's no chasima, that would be the best thing to do. Because how do you make changes in life? You don't accept bidiyevits, right? You don't accept bidiyevits. The problem with that is, by the time you get the food, usually you're very hungry. And if there's what to rely on bidiyevits, it's hard not to, (laughs) right? That's the problem. Okay. Now let's get back to the airplane case for a moment. To address the airplane case, let's just quickly jump to, to page four. I want to make sure at least we end off with addressing all of the practical scenarios we brought up. Now this is really going to get involved more with next time's discussion about having someone in your house but we'll see a klal gol that applies in many situations. Hamaniach ovikochavim bebeso ubo devarim sheim huchlafu yesh behem afilu iser Torah im hu yotzei v'nichnas. If you have someone in your house and you have food where even theoretically there might be a question of a deraisa, if you're yotzei v'nichnas, this is the first time in your day we find this concept of yotzei v'nichnas explicitly. You're in and out. Or even if you're out for a while, but you don't tell them, I'm not coming back for the next two and a half hours, do whatever you want. But you, you, know, you leave and they don't know exactly when you're coming back. So then this creates a mirsus. A mirsus means some level of, of concern on their part that you might be back any moment. Therefore, mutter v'lo chayshina and shema hichlif. 
In that case, it's mutter, leaving the babysitter or the, the cleaning lady there in the house, and we're not concerned that they uh, swished anything. Even if theoretically there's room to say, they'd be gaining, they'd be benefiting from that switch. The reason the Mechaber says is, because really every moment there's some level of, of concern, that maybe the Balabais might come now, and he's going to see me doing something that he knows, or that I know I should not be doing. But if you tell the person who's in your house, I'll be away at work for the next five hours, if you need me, call me, but I'm not coming home, then it's Asr. Then it's Asr if there's no Chosein. But again, if there's no reason to assume they would benefit from the Chalipin, from the switching, then it's Mutter Bechol Inyin. We're not concerned that someone's going to switch it just to get you. So we have here in Sif Yud is a heter of Yotze v'nichnas, and this has very broad uh, application regarding hashkacha, right? Having someone oversee the kashras of a store or a plant. If there's real Yotze v'nichnas, so then we don't assume someone's going to switch kosher for non-kosher, even if they might have a benefit in doing so, because they're afraid. Now the only way to have that that healthy fear is if they know this is not okay. So when we get in, involved with next week's discussion, right, how do you have a babysitter or cleaning help at your house when you're not home, it has to be made very clear initially what's okay and what's not okay. So getting back to the case of the plane. Does that camera work for this? Like if, if, yeah. if you can log in any second to see it, that works? The short answer is yes. We're going we're gonna to speak about that next week as well in Ritz Hashem. But let, let, let's get back to the plane case. The yeshiva bacher gets up, right? Is that a case of yotzei benichnas potentially, where when you come back to your seat, halachically, you wouldn't have to be concerned that anything was switched? Let's say there was a, the, in this particular case, he wanted to try kosher pastrami. You know, why do they charge $10 more for your stuff? It must be a lot better, right? It, it, maybe there was some kind of gain. However, this is definitely a situation of Yotze Benichnas, right? If you're parachuting out of the plane, then it could be different. I'm not sure when you're coming back. If the bathroom's in the front, uh-huh. I watch him go in and lock the door. It takes me one second to do like this. I could see, I could see when he's coming back. What's the business? I could see when he's coming back. It's interesting, meaning in a case where I could look at the bathroom and I could see the red, the red, red sign, green, occupied. Right. That's interesting. That's a situation maybe where, right, we, we skip this one line in the Mechaber, but he says, Yotzi v'nichnas works, v'hu shelo sagar habayas alav. Only in a case where the house wasn't closed off. Meaning if I know you're coming back in three minutes, but in the meantime, everything is closed off and it takes you a while to get back into the house, then Yotzev Nichnas may not work. In this situation, if I saw that you went to the bathroom and I saw that it was red, that might take away Yotzev Nichnas. Nice step. Nice step. Oh, you missed a good step, Rebutzvi. Okay. Now the other question is, do you have to be concerned for Chalipin at all? Are we really concerned for 
a hana factor here, right? That's not as as simple. But we also don't have. You're not making a mishliach, so there's also a different thing. We said that this only applies to when you be making being. Oh, right. So so you're that but that the whole idea of making a mishliach doesn't mean that I have to appoint you as my agent. The whole idea is is that if you were to eat my sandwich, I would likely know it's you. Right? So we said that's why it's mutter in a public setting. But if I'm giving it to you as a pikadon to watch, if I'm giving it to you as my Uber Eats driver to deliver, or in a case where it's just me and you, so then potentially I could be concerned for Chalipin. The plane has 200-something passengers on it. It's possible somebody else came up, and, or it's possible the stewardess came by and threw my sandwich in the car. Like, no, my sandwich is right here. Oh, the sandwich is there. The, the, the meat was switched. Okay, interesting, interesting. <clears throat> so, halacha lemaisa, when it comes to Uber Eats, from the, the lechachila standpoint, everything should be sealed with the special tape that the particular hechsher has. Um... If it comes to you and it's not sealed, so then you really have to go through some of these calculations. Meaning, if it's Tavia sign, I recognize it, then there's no question you could eat it, Bidi Evid, right? Because I know that it's kosher food. Or even if I can't recognize it, but I could either through the app or through calling the store, I could get a time frame of when he was there and therefore create a situation where there's no realistic chashash that there was any switching. I could also eat it. When it comes to pizza, we'll end with this. I want to share with you a yeah, chiddish from my good friend. What's that? You're not going to tell you something in the car itself, but you could switch it. Yeah. I don't think so. Let's say not. We've done a French fry. Yeah, we've done a French fry. Too many. Have you ever put on the boxes? Yeah. So again, there has to be Hana involved. What am I gaining from that? Yeah, so I, I don't think we go that vibe. I don't think so. Let, let, let me tell you an interesting case, though. When it comes to pizza, and, and it's, you know, it, it's something that really needs to be worked on and sometimes out-of-town communities where this is an area of kashras that's, that's overlooked. But you get a pizza delivered, and there's no chasim, and you can't tell by the box. There is no, yeah, there is no chasim. That's a problem. So and, 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 right. But, but, but who delivered that? Donny Cohen. No. The DoorDash. No, not here, not here. Oh, not, not here. here. Oh. DoorDash was the guy who spoke His house. Oh, so, okay, so the perfect case, right? Did you eat it? And have a, a burning with, with the books. We'll have a burning together. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. In this case, at least the box says. Right? I don't know that that helps much. At least the box says Raven. As opposed to John, it's just. Uh, it's just. Was there pepperoni on it? Right. <laughs> the box. Yeah. Says, oh, you can switch out a pizza. Two right. Me- me- meaning theoretically, right? I'm the delivery guy. I pick up your thing at at Rave. I am famished. Okay, so if that's the case, you're good, right? <laughs> okay, listen, if you have it to be assigned, you're good. Yes, yes, yes. But listen to the scenario. You have a delivery guy that's really hungry. He stops at Rave and he demolishes your pizza. No problem. Keeps the box. Stops at Domino's right over here by 7-Eleven. Same cheese pizza. 
and brings it over to the Bach residence, right? There's no way of you finding that out without a Tavias Ayan. A good friend of mine, though, had a beautiful chiddish when it comes to pizza. One of our former community members, Rabbi Yitzchak Hecht, the brother of Rabbi Hecht. <laughs> so theoretically, what you could do is follows. When they slice the pizza, if they slice the pizza in the box, so if you could take the pie, and obviously things shift a little bit, right? this is a good step, this is a good step. If you could take it and line it up with where they sliced it, Ein simen muva godol mizet. And you could know, even without Tavia Salyan, it's the kosher pizza from Rave. Beautiful step, right? That's only if they do it in the box, though. Right, yeah. if they slice it on the, on the board or something, yeah, that eats it doesn't work. That's a good one. <laughs> 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 if you yourself don't have a, if you yourself don't have a Tavia Salyan, somebody else does. As long as someone has a Tavia Salyan that, that's, that's that trustworthy, the then you're good. That's also a good question, right? Someone's bringing you dinner. Someone who themselves, they don't keep kosher, but they know that you do, so they're buying something uh, from the grove. So it would be the same exact Shiloh. If there's no chosim whatsoever, so I, I can't know for sure it came from the grove. Now, there could be many mitigating factors. First of all, that person is my father or mother, right? And they're not from, but I know they would never do anything that would go against my belief system. That's Ramosha who says you could, you could trust that. If there's no Hana involved, right, why would they switch it? Why would they lie? Now, you could argue sometimes there would be Hana. Why would I buy the rotisserie chicken for $15 if I could buy it for $4? Good question, right? Um, oftentimes you do have a Tavia though, if you've seen it before. But if you just trust them, you know that they wouldn't. So how about we'll do this? That's really our conversation for Kufi and Tess, about trusting people who might not be fully uh, Shomer Torah Mitzvah. So maybe we'll keep that case and we'll keep that for Kufi and Tess. Doctor? Well, they're getting that hana. The question is, are they getting any extra hana by giving me something that's not kosher and saying it is? Unless they're saving on money or saving on time. The boss asked this employee to bring the food. And so they're, they're fulfilling their request, and they have to do it by a certain time. I'm just, I'm just okay, so, so, so maybe, maybe we'll bring these to the Kufir test discussion of Nimanus. For now, everyone enjoy your Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs>